The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. We say it, we mean it, we know it's true, and so do you. Thank you to our listeners all around the world for following Game Changers Radio, all 29 of our series. Let's see what the buzz is today. This is an interesting one, and actually today's show is a part two of a topic we covered, a very interesting topic that applies to, I think, every company. We started this in March on our Changing the Game with HR Radio. Let me read you enough clues here. Let me read you the buzz. Here's a quote from BoydenBoyden.com. Human resources professionals have long worked to earn a voice in the C-suite and the boardroom, yet the CHRO, Chief Human Resources Officer role, remains elusive. The inclusion of HR in decision-making is tied to the CEO and other C-suite leaders' understanding of the importance of the function, and unfortunately, many companies still lag in their perception of HR's value. Let me just let that sink in for a minute. So we've got the good news, we've got the bad news, we've got the potentially ugly news. Yes, we're talking about CHRO, we're talking about on the board, in the boardroom, in the C-suite, what is the value of respect and how to elevate it. Our topic today is CHRO, New Roadmaps to the Boardroom, Roadmap Part 2. Okay, let me read you a little bit more. The Unique Human Capital... In your company's workforce, really, if you boil it down, is the only true competitive differentiator you have. You may be in an industry where there are a lot of me-too companies. You might be a new player, an old player, but your people really make or break the whole deal. So today, we're finding out on our series, Changing the Game with HR, and many of our other Game Changers series, that the employees are grabbing their power, taking center stage, demanding more from HR, that HR become less process-oriented and more people-focused. So does your board, your company, have the CHRO expertise you need to guide your talent policies and strategies in this new world? I'm going to call it a brave new world, where the employee is taking center stage. If it hasn't happened in your company yet, alert, beware, it's going to happen. We have three panelists today, three experts. I'm inviting them back from the show on March 23rd on Changing the Game with HR. Let me tell you who they are briefly and then we'll get started. First up, we're welcoming Chris Johnson, Senior Partner at Mercer. We're also welcoming Fabiana LaCirca-Allen, the President of 
Ethiprax, E-T-H-I-P-R-A-X. And of course, we couldn't do this without our own Dr. Patty Fletcher, Leadership Futurist and Solution Management at SAP Success Factor. So happy to have the three of you. And we're just going to continue the conversation we started. But this is a new audience. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. So we'll do a little reestablishing of the topic. Chris Johnson, thrilled to have you back. And you have sent us this time a quote by Oscar Wilde. Let me read a little background. His full name, I don't know if even you know this, Chris, is Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty Wills Wilde with an E on the end. He lived from 1854 to 1900, Irish playwright, novelist, essayist, and poet. Uh, Let's see, he's remembered for his epigrams, his novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, his plays in the early 1890s, and the circumstances of his imprisonment and early death. Anybody want to look him up? Fascinating man, fascinating life. Here is the quote. Society only exists as a mental concept. In the real world, there are only individuals. Chris Johnson, so happy to have you back. How have you been? Uh, I've been really well. Delighted to be back. Thank you very much. It's oh, my pleasure. I love the quote from Oscar Wilde. Talk to me. How We're talking CHRO. We're talking boardroom, C-suite, employee center stage, taking back the power. People focused, a lot swirling around here. So what would Wilde say in this quote about our topic? Well, I, I really like this quote because I, I think it speaks to one of the things that the CHRO has got to be really, really clear about, and that is that the, the, the workforce is less important than the individuals in it. So the workforce is synonymous with Oscar Wilde's comment about society. It's a concept. It's not a thing. Um, whereas the individuals within the workforce, the employees, um, are, are real, and we need to be attending to their needs much, much more than... Um, frankly, as, an, as employers, we have been doing in the past. So the individualization of the world of employment that we're seeing now, I think, is really captured very neatly in this Oscar Wilde quote. I used to live in Reading, which is a town to the west of cities, the west of London. Um, and it was in Reading Jail that Oscar Wilde was uh, mm-hmm. spent um, some of the latter years of his life. So I've got a, a tiny association with him as well. Very interesting. Um, I, I know he had quite a quite a difficult ending to his life. Very interesting. I'm I'm so intrigued by the word individuals in his quote, Chris, rather mm-hmm. than just saying in the real world there are only people or there's you and me or it's I and he and she and we. Uh, individuals, that seems like, uh, tell me if I'm going down the wrong path here, it seems like such a modern way of looking at it. After all, he passed away in 1900. That's, my goodness, <laughs> that's the other millennium. That's two millenniums ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so w- why do you think he was so focused on that? It seems like a very modern concept. Any thoughts on that? Um, well, I think his, his own life, you know, he was a, he was, um, a character. Uh, I think his mm-hmm. individual qualities, he was a, an individualist in the sense that he had you know, personal qualities that stood out from the crowd. Uh, so he may have been thinking about that and you know, recognizing the many people that he was close to probably likewise you know, stood out from the crowd too. So I'm guessing that was probably you know, what was in his mind. I just feel you know, now, what, 120 years later, Mm-hmm. Um, that the comment he made is, is really, really pertinent in today's world where technology is enabling us all to be much, much fo- more focused on the specific individual needs that each of us has. And the CH- CHRO, in my view, has to be right on top of that um, and providing an individualistic experience for each and every one of the employees in the organization. 
And Chris, is that a challenge for people who've been in that chief HR role for more than a few years? Is that going to come as a shock if a CHRO or a, a HCM person tunes in today and says, what do you mean I have to focus on people and not on processes? I'm here to make the business more efficient. I have to process people coming in, people going out, and salaries and bonuses and trainings. Do you, do you think this is a shock or do you think they're already on board with this? I think there's some. I think there's some on board, um, and and they're moved on from that very process-oriented view of their role. And there's some still getting there, and uh, you know. And I think that the CHRO really has two primary things to address. Again, captured in the Oscar Wilde quote, one is recognizing that each employee is an individual with individual needs, um, individual circumstances, and they need to be serviced through the employment experience in some way. Um, and then secondly, the workforce is a society. I don't think, um, I don't think Oscar Wilde was saying there is no such thing as society. Mm-hmm. He was just pointing out it's a concept. And I think the workforce likewise you know, is a real thing. It's a concept, perhaps. It's a real thing. And I think that the CHRO is growingly recognizing that they need to be thinking very differently about the workforce, um, you know, the gig economy, contingent labor, all those kind of issues are, be- are becoming, coming to the fore and, and in many ways, one of the points I would like to make further in the discussion is, you know, the workforce is the means by which the CHRO can contribute to the, the sustainability of the enterprise. So the CHRO needs to think to the future about the workforce, about the society that the enterprise is creating on the one hand, and on the other hand needs to think about each and, each and every individual in that workforce, in, in that society. So I think Thank you. CHROs are seeing that sharp focus on those two issues. I think many CHROs are seeing the individual agenda, but they're not seeing the two agendas together. Very interesting. Very, very uh, well put introduction to our topic. Thank you, Chris Johnson. We'll be hearing a lot more from you. And now let me introduce our second guest. Welcoming back Ms. Fabiana Lacerca Allen, president of Ethiprax. And Fabiana has sent us a quote from Mahatma Gandhi, Believe it or not, he actually has a Twitter handle. And Mahatma Gandhi, his full name was Mohandas Karam Chand Gandhi. 1869 to 1948. Yes, it was a very good year. He was a leader of the, the leader of the Indian independence movement against British rule. Interestingly enough, Mahatma is an honorific name. In Sanskrit, it means high-souled and venerable. It was first applied to him in 1914 in South Africa. Now we use it all over the world. In India, he is also called Bapu, which is an endearment term for father and papa, and Gandhiji, which is what his part of his Twitter handle. He's unofficially called the father of the nation. Certainly made an impact on his part of society, didn't he? And here is the quote. This is a long one. I'll read the whole thing, and then Fabiana will tell us why she picked it for our topic. So the quote from Gandhi is, Carefully watch your thoughts, for they become your words. Manage and watch your words, for they will become your actions. Consider and judge your actions, for they have become your habits. Acknowledge and watch your habits, for they shall become your values. Understand and embrace your values, for they become your destiny. Beautiful quote. Fabiana, welcome back. How are you? Thank you. Very happy to be here. Good morning. 
Good morning. So talk to me. Interesting quote. What's your favorite part of this quote or do they all link together? It's, it's uh, you know, various cultures have their little songs. Uh, there, there's a song we sing on uh, Passover about uh, my father had two zuzim for one goat and it just builds and builds on where the zuzim went. So anyway, I'm just thinking this quote that reminds me, it's like the nested dolls you keep taking out and finding the layers. Talk to me about the quote, Fabiana. Well, I found it really, really interesting, especially in the times we're living. Um, I was actually thinking about tone at the top. And when you hear that um, people are are tweeting, are saying, are expressing themselves, sometimes seemingly with no thought, and the impact that that has um, in the culture, in the society, in the corporations, um, I thought that we need to be more the leader you admire, you know, be the change you want to see. Because as we are talking about change and do we have the right leadership in the board, do we have the right CHROs, do we have the right compliance and ethics professionals, do we have the right leaders on board, change will not come if we wait for some other person on some other time. We have to start making that change. It's up to us to, to have the courage to do the right thing, to stand for what's right, you know, to set the right tone at the top, uh, be the mm-hmm. leaders that we want to be, um, exhibit courage, loyalty, intuition, adaptability. Um, people have not been asking themselves, do we have the right leaders in place for a while? Um, you know, as board member, as somebody that reported to boards, you see that not always the expertise, the leadership is there. It's been status quo for years and years and years. You see the same players going around and around, and mm-hmm. and it's been a long time coming, you know, for women, for CHROs, for compliance and ethics professionals to step up and come into boards and make that change. Very interesting. Do you think, uh, similar to the question I asked Chris Johnson just a minute ago, do you think boards are complacent, especially if they're assigned or they're appointed or invited, and they just sit there for years and years and years? Do you think there's a level of complacency slash boredom slash, oh, no, it's time for another board meeting slash, yes, I'm on the board and whatever I say goes and nobody will challenge me. Any of that are you seeing, Fabiana? Oh, absolutely. Uh, do I have some stories for you? But, you know, the thing is, um, it is bound to change because the world around us is changing, because um, we are dealing globally with people that are better prepared than us, because um, not knowing how to spell Chile, for example, as a country, you know, thinking that it's spelled like a food is not acceptable anymore. People expect that you are prepared. People expect that you come to the table ready. And and it's changing, and it's changing. But, you know, the, in 2015, the OIG came up with new guidance for boards, uh, for board members, talking about duty of care and the responsibility for ensuring compliance. So, basically, you just cannot be a pretty face anymore. You cannot be golf buddies anymore. You actually have to bring your game to the table. You really have to... Um, understand what's going on, be responsible for the right things happening in the organization, otherwise you're personally liable. And as these changes take place, I think people are going to start thinking, okay, let me get ready for these. Let me be prepared. Let me ensure that 
I know what people are talking about. Hey, let me read my board book and come ready to the, to the table, which they hadn't had to do in years. Very interesting. Thank you. Great perspective. I'd love to hear some of those stories, Fabian. I don't know if they're ready for <laughs> ready for prime time. No, I heard no, a little I bit of a, yep. Yeah. <laughs> more around wine, Bonnie. I, I think so. That's that's so funny. Uh, there are so many layers and levels to what you said, and I think we'll just let what my, a friend of mine who writes play says, you have to listen for the subtext. So, Fabiana, we heard your subtext loud and clear. Make mine red. Wine. Thank you very much. Dr. Patty Fletcher is up next, leadership futurist, and she is the sponsor of our wonderful series called Changing the Game with HR. And Patty keeps bringing us such interesting topics, and we just keep finding her here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. So <laughs> HR must be a very popular topic. As a matter of fact, I had an, uh, an empty slot coming up in a couple weeks, and I said to Patty, what do you want to do? And she said, it's time to talk about women entrepreneurs, what's going on in Silicon Valley and other places. So we're going to do that in a couple weeks right here on Coffee Break. Patty, can't wait for that. But in the meantime, Patty has sent us a quote for today's topic about the CHRO, New Roadmap for HR to the Boardroom. Send us a quote from Pierre Nanterme. Anybody doesn't know who he is? Oh my, oh my. He was born in France in 1959. He's what I call a young one. I don't know if the panel can appreciate that, but I do. Uh, He is the CEO of Accenture. He certainly came up through the ranks, started out in the military service in 1983, and then he went to the consulting firm Accenture, which at the time was called Anderson Consulting, those of you who love a little bit of history. And then he went on to become the head of the banking and finance practice, and then he became a partner in 1993, and then he headed the financial services practice, and he directed for Europe, Africa, and Latin America, and then he became the managing director of France, and on and on and on. And in October, 2010, the company announced Nanterm as the next CEO of Accenture. He officially took on the role on January 1, 2011, and became chairman as well in February 2013. Here is the quote, Patty, a select. You thought I'd never get to it, but here it is. Digital is the main reason just over half of the companies on the Fortune 500 have disappeared since the year 2000. Patty, that's a wow. How are you, Patty Fletcher? I'm great. It's great to be back here. I think we're going to move into SAT radio. (laughs) (laughs) I think you already did. Move over, Bonnie. Welcome, Patty. (laughs) Patty, seriously, you do have some very interesting topics. And I'm delighted that you brought up the idea of digital because we need to have a tech flavor to this conversation. So you are are doing that through a very modern quote. So tell me, are you a big follower of Mr., I think it's Mr. Rather than Dr., Mr. Nanterm and Accenture? And how did you find this quote, Patty? Well, I just, I just have to say, though, you had mentioned Anderson, and I, I can't help but mention this. Um, a few months ago when I was in Berlin and I was talking to a, a group of, of young millennial women who were entrepreneurial, and, and I had mentioned Anderson, and this was just after them not realizing that what we were standing at at the time was where part of the Berlin Wall used to be, and they were looking at me wild-eyed and going, what was, what's the Berlin Wall? And then, not, you know, some few minutes later, I had mentioned Anderson, because I had done some work with them years and years and years ago, and they said, what's that? Um, so that tells you how old I am. <laughs> Patty, it's called old enough. That's all it's called. It doesn't mean anything else. Old enough. Okay, that's we're good. Right, we're, that's right. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, very, very big fan. And digital is so important for all of the reasons that Fabiana and Chris talked about. 
We've seen digital in the boardroom, certainly, right? Companies have been going through digital has taken many forms over the years. We all know that, the, the automation component, the, the analytics component. Um, and now we have the, the full-on digital, which gives us lots more insight, insight where machines are helping us understand things that come from volumes of data. And so when we're looking at the CHRO in the boardroom, we can't not bring digital up. It's kind of like the last frontier is about the people who, to Chris, I think it was your point about what the CEO's job is when it comes to people. It is the ability for that CEO to make the right decisions when it comes to strategy and then the ability to execute on that strategy. Who's our talent? Who do we need? And then how do we organize them? What direction do we point them in? And typically, the HR person has been doing lots of what-if scenarios over the last few years, particularly with with reporting and analytics. They've been able to do that. Um, and, and while great, it's still kind of put into the reactive mode. When it comes to bringing digital into the boardroom, that's where we can be more decisive. That's where what if goes away and instead it becomes it is. And it's almost like if you think about what digital has been able to do for marketing, for finance, for, gosh, the supply chain, right, which is where we've seen the most value in the boardroom, being able to make those decisions, whether it's turnaround or which is, you know, a very big topic from a boardroom perspective or Mm -hmm. entry into new markets or divesting. From a CHRO's perspective, being able to use digital in a way that brings together a bunch of different trends, what's happening in the market, what's going on with customer trends, who do we have for talent, right, who's coming, who's going, where do we have gaps, how does that stack up against the competition, all the way to things around executive comp, right, a really big topic when it, when it comes to the boardroom. So it's absolutely imperative from a competitive perspective. If you think about the fact, and Bonnie, I think you mentioned this, the one thing that a competitor cannot take from you in any given amount of time, the one competitive differentiation Mm -hmm. is people, right? Not just the talent they have individually, but more important, what happens when all of this talent comes together and produces? It's impossible to replicate that kind of human capital. So when you put a digital layer on top of that, you get in front of what that could look like. You understand the impact of hire and workforce design decisions at the collective as well as individual level and how that looks from a competitive perspective. And I just want to just kind of make sure we're all grounded in what a board does. And I know we talked a bit about this in the the last um, show, but it's really important to understand that the boardroom is not an operational um, group of people. These are people that are truly looking at strategy. Their job is fiduciary. They they do need to think about the shareholders, Mm -hmm. but they're also thinking about different constituents, right? They choose the CEO. They govern the CEO. So thinking that 50% of those top organizations that were the the cream of the crop in 2000 are no longer here. Imagine if they had digital in the boardroom. So to Fabiana's point, tone at the top, they're making informed decisions that go beyond the hunch, right? It's truly informed. It's keeping folks on their toes because let's face it, change happens very quickly. Complexity is unbelievable. And if you're not making decisions with the kind of dynamic insight that you need, you're going to be part of that 50% that goes away over the next few years. 
Thank you, Patty. Great intro, and I love the quote. And let me ask you a, a similar question to what I asked the other panelists. Would it be a shock, if, first of all, if a CHRO gets to the boardroom, but if they're there and they say, they pull out this report and they, they say, may I please have the screen, and they show a, a slide deck, and they say, now, let's look at the analytics of the latest trends in our workforce. And this is our balance among the different demographic cohorts. And this is where we stand on employee compensation and on executive compensation, and these are the the latest, and this is the dashboard where I project we should go in the next 12 months. Do you think everybody would pass out from sheer shock and amazement, Patty? Not in the beginning, but the last part of your sentence is important. I would expect the CHRO to be able to have those conversations. They can do that with analytics. And let's remember who the CHRO is. They are the people who own the system of record when it comes mm-hmm. to the workforces. They better be able to answer those questions. So, no. It's the last part, right? The things around, therefore, our priority initiative should be. And it's not it. just about garnering talent, right? It's about where we're going as a business. Yes, I do think people would fall off their chairs. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Getting to the punchline. Thank you. So, Patty, let me just let me just clarify the topic here, because when we did this show on March 23rd on your series, Changing the Game with HR, I want to make sure that I think it took a while to get to the point. Uh, CHRO, new roadmap to the boardroom. So is it commonplace that a CHRO would have a seat in the board? We know they're in the C-suite because they have the C in their name. It's on the back of their director's chair. But as far as getting to the boardroom, is that the big challenge today? Hey, Patty, and I'll go around the table after you and ask Chris and Fabiana the same thing. Is that the hurdle that hasn't been reached yet in most companies? I've seen a lot of reports, and, and Chris in particular, you may be more privy to this than I, but I've certainly seen a lot of reports right before it was CMO, before that it was CFO, on their way to the CEO, which brings you kind of to that talent pool, because um, a lot of CHROs are not actually officers, although they have the, the chief officer title. Ah. Um, but here's what I, yeah, but here's what I know. I know that everybody understands that people, not technology, make or break, right? And isn't that interesting, Bonnie, that people Mm -hmm. in this world that you and I live in, that all of us live in, when technology, we think, makes or breaks. So I am not surprised. We should be talking about this. Yes, I do think that this is a roadmap to the boardroom, but not until we get a breed of CHROs that can do things like talk about where we should go from a strategy perspective. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're still in the analytics world when it comes to CHROs, but I think we're heading in the right direction. Fascinating. Let me find out from Chris Johnson. Chris, agree or disagree with Patty? Do you have any substantiation, anything you want to give us? I I know this is your field. Yeah, I very much agree with Patty, actually. I think, um, and I think we're, I think we're on a, I think we're on, you know, we're making steps forward, which is good. But the point about analytics and data, I think we're still, dealing with descriptive analytics and mm. data, that this is what's going on in our business. What, we, what CHROs are really struggling with, and, or many are struggling with, is predictably what's the, what's the insight that comes from analytics. So what should we be doing? Which I think was exactly the point that Patty was making when she, when she came back to you and said it's the, it's the final point that really matters here in that comment earlier. So <clears throat> predictive analytics, I think, is the piece that CHROs need to be stepping into so that they can be advising the board about what to do next and showing, showing the board that, that those people issues are part of the, the sustainability of the business. So one of, my, one of my key points, I think, here is that the CHRO who's going to be taken seriously by the board is actually talking about the sustainability of the business through people 
and setting out what the enterprise needs to be doing in the future with their people rather than merely, merely describing what's going on today. Thank you, Fabiana. Love to get your thoughts. Where are you on this? <clears throat> I fully agree. And as a matter of fact, I think that, um, as I said, the rules been changing partly because of the new guidance for board members and because new CIAs, which are corporate integrity agreements, companies that um, have allegedly violated the law and find themselves under a corporate integrity agreement, uh, the Fair Prosecution Agreement or a consent decree, find that they also have clawback provisions, provisions that um, if anybody that was involved in wrongdoing needs to, you know, give up part of their compensation as a result. And compliance officer and CHROs need to be involved in in compensation discussions and performance discussions to include compliance as part of the performance metrics. So as the role is changing, as the board becomes more involved in making sure the right thing happens, I think that we are going to see a natural evolution to having uh, more CHRO, more compliance and ethic, more different professionals on the board. So far, my experience in all the boards that I worked with or that I worked in, I have Mm -hmm. not seen that yet. Interesting. Okay. You know what? We're at half past, but we are going to take a break. Even though we're running a little bit long, that's because this is such a good conversation. I am H.O. But before we go, let's do the pause that refreshes. Chris Johnson, where are you today? And what are you drinking? If not right now in your cup, what do you love to drink that's your most favorite drink that makes you the most happy or the happiest in English? <laughs> go ahead, Chris. Well, I, <laughs> I know I get to it somewhere. Go ahead. I'm speaking to you from Dallas. Uh, the temperature's outside oh. the window are almost 100 degrees, uh, yeah. which is not a temperature I'm comfortable with. But oh, in no. this kind of heat, I love green tea. So my um, drink of the moment would be a cup of green tea. Unfortunately, I don't have one, but... Uh, that's, uh, that's what I'd really like to be drinking. Right well, now. we can arrange that. We'll put out a shout-out to some, <laughs> somebody in Dallas. Go find Chris Johnson and bring him a cup of refreshing green tea. I didn't know you were in Dallas today. How interesting, Chris. We were getting ready to call you in the U.K., so thank you for being more local. We appreciate that. And I wanted to be closer. <laughs> oh, 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 be still my heart. This is one of those moments we rarely – no, we get them all the time. Thank you, Chris. Fabiano, where art thou and what art they're drinking that makes you really, really smile? Uh, a lot of things make me really, really smile. But this morning, I'm in San Francisco, beautiful place to be. Um, Chris, I feel for you. 100 degrees is not for me either. Here, it's a beautiful 70 around, probably. It's going to get hotter during the day, perfect temperature. I like to start my day every now and then with mate, which is um, an Argentinian infusion uh, kind of like tea, kind of like green tea, Chris. If you were here, I'd mm-hmm. offer you one. Um, I like it not only because of the test, taste and the health benefits, but because of what it represents. It's very, very important culturally. It has a lot of meaning. Uh, like the Indians used to pass the pipe, the Argentinians pass along, and the Uruguayans and many other Latin American countries pass uh, around the mate. And so who you pass it to, um, how do you pass it, how it's received, who drinks it, 
it all has meaning and it has to do about uh, culture and respect and acknowledging your elders and everything else. So if ever, anybody ever offered you a mate, take it. Um, don't stir it and pass it along. And so that's what I'm drinking this morning. Thank you very much. You always have very interesting drinks, and I can always tell that you're smiling. And by the way, before we get to Patty's drink, Fabiana, remind us, please, what does your company do? Just just 30 seconds. Give us the quick overview. We help companies do the right thing, have the right compliance programs in place, making sure that they have the right leaders to execute on compliance programs uh, for the right things to happen. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. I appreciate that. And Dr. Patty Fletcher, where are you? Are you still traveling? Are you still living out of a suitcase, Patty? Or are you settled down for, a, for five minutes somewhere? Talk to me. <laughs> I'm settled down for five minutes because I'm uh, working, plugging out the, the rest of this book that's due to the publisher on Friday. So, um, I, Oh, my. I, yeah, yeah. It's been absolutely crazy. And I'm um, very excited to have one of Chris's colleagues included um, in the book, Pat Milligan. So we'll, I'll mention something about that at the end. But um, So, yeah, I'm home, and I am in the Boston office um, for SAP today for some meetings. And if I could have this coffee from Dunkin' Donuts in front of me put into me with an IV, I would. Um, but I'm, <laughs> instead, I'm sipping it um, through a straw. It's ice-cold coffee, just like a... I like it with almond milk, and it's delicious. I only had a few hours of sleep last night because my dog was very, very sick. So I need all the caffeine I can get. Sorry to the puppy, and you will talk a little bit about your book at the end, and I have to tell everybody, Patty is back with us tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m. on her series, Changing the Game with HR and another great topic. So this is uh, Patty Fletcher Week on Game Changers Radio, and we're very, very happy. Patty, I don't know how you do it writing the book and, and staying up and taking care of the dog and traveling and trying to stay home for 10 minutes with your family, and uh, great admiration, great props to you, and thank you for bringing this terrific topic to us. It was so compelling on your show on March 22nd that I invited all of you here to continue the conversation. It's an accolade to the three of you that it's half past, more than half past, and we haven't taken our break yet because so much good information. But we will take a break. 90 seconds count. When we come back, we'll touch on a few more very interesting points about the role of the CHRO in business. Do you have a CHRO? Do you know what that is? Come on, get with the program. Their role in the digital world, how they can help move the company forward. Do they even know what predictive analytics are? Are they using them? And are they on your board? Well, for goodness sake, get with the program. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. I forgot to tell everybody I'm still drinking my cup of cool, clear water with a pink straw because it's a beautiful day. But, Chris, like where you are, I think it's going to be in the 90s here in New York. And we're due for 90-ish something all week, very, very hot with intermittent showers and thunderstorms. So, yes, and boo-hoo. So, here we go. We're entering the the formal part of the show called the roundtable, but we've already been going around the table with great comments from my three guests, Chris Johnson at Mercer, Fabiana at La Circa Alan at Ethiprax and Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors. So Chris is going to start us off formally with the following topic, and then we'll go around the table. Let's see how far we get. Uh, workplace disruption. Chris says, impending workplace disruption is sizable, and the full impact is not yet known. CHROs are in a great position to act as the stargazer and guide to the board, which we talked about a minute ago. But let me expand a little more. He says, automation, machine learning globalization, 3D printing, and digitalization, yes, I'm dropping a lot of buzzwords here, kids, are redefining how work gets done, reshaping value chains, and driving change in business models. Chris, let's talk about disruption, please. Okay, let's do that. I think there are too, I mean, there are too many buzzwords in there, I totally agree, but uh, (laughs) at its simplest, one of the disruptions is what technology is bringing. Uh, We often talk about artificial intelligence, replacing many of the professions, for example. So the general practitioner is vulnerable, the lawyer is vulnerable. These are are professions that can, you know, the artificial intelligence is starting to creep into these areas and and making making more reliable decisions or more reliable diagnostics, um, if you think about uh, medicine and GPs. So we're anticipating very significant change coming as a consequence of these kind of digital developments. The term digital, I think, is the kind of the embracing term for all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of our clients are talking with us about what are the implications. And so they're asking about which roles will be changing and in what way they'll be changing. And that brings me to my second disruption, and that is that the labor market is changing. Um, people are staying in the workplace longer. Um, We've got problems in some countries with young people having to support an ever-growing population of older people who are beyond being active in the labor market. Um, So the demographics of labor are changing at the same time as work is changing as a consequence of digital. I think the CHRO's job, we say stargazer, is to navigate this and to help the board to anticipate what's coming, which is why I said earlier how important 
predictive analytics are rather than merely descriptive analytics of what's happening today. So two, two big changes. Technology, usually captured under the headline digital, um, is going to change the need for many, many professions and, and, and robotics will change the need for many sort of artisan type work. And then secondly, the labor market is changing significantly, if only because of the demographic shifts we're experiencing. Thank you, Chris. Very interesting. Great points. Fabiana, love to get your thoughts on any or all of what Chris just introduced for us. Fabiana? Yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree. I think that, um, you know, technology is adding a new layer, having the right people, the right leaders, doing the right thing is going to all mean that we're going to see totally different compositions, hopefully, in the next few years in all of these public boards. Okay, Patty, thoughts? Um, yes. Um, so the, the digital disruption, sorry, I, I, just, I just got an alarming text just came through about my dog. Um, so oh. the, um, yeah, don't read text when you're on the radio. Um, the, the thing that got me, Chris, when, when you were prepping all of us for the, the radio show on this topic was around the skills that are needed, particularly on digital disruption. We don't even know about them today. Um, and this is huge, right? From a, a, a boardroom perspective, how do you even plan for a future you cannot see? And this is critical when we're thinking about people because we need people to run our businesses. So how do you do that? How do you change the mindset of a board to deal with workplace disruption? Um, it's kind of, you know, I can't stop thinking about Drucker, right? What you can manage, you can control. What you can't manage, you can't, right? How do we, how do we use technology to be able to combat that kind of unpredictability and complexity? And then from a workforce perspective, what is our job in the boardroom to create the workforce of the future? We see lots of, or not lots, but many of large technology organizations getting involved with, with, high school education, with putting up schools, how are we actually creating the workforce that we need to manage the disruption based on the innovations that we see that where we're investing from a business and, and market perspective? Thank These you, Patty. Really Chris, new good- questions for the board. Very compelling questions. I think we need a whole new series on uh, game-changing the CHRO, Patty. I think that's something we might talk about for next year because these are very focused questions at that level, not just on what they're doing, but it's it's more of a management and leadership question I, I think might deserve its own topic, but we will talk about that. Chris Johnson, anything you want to add to that before I go to something from yeah, just very, Fabian? Very quickly add one point because I yeah. think there is, an, there is an issue here about how to help the board get insight about what's coming. And it can't be done in in a conversation in a boardroom. I think it's got to be much more real and tangible than that. Um, And so I'm Mm -hmm. fascinated by some of the things that some some companies that we know well are doing, you know, setting up a factory that's deliberately designed to be the factory of the future, setting up a total greenfield site that in financial services operates very, very differently from the business today. These are experimental places. And the board needs to get close to those experiments and you know, touch them, feel them, know what's going on. So I think there's a kind of, um, there's an experiential issue here that we need to help boards with. It's not in the boardroom, it's in, in the experiments that some businesses are, are, are undertaking at the moment. That's where the board needs to be. 
Interesting. Thank you. Fabiana, I'm looking at your notes here. I, I'm going to read a quote you sent us from the last show, but uh, I'll use that as the lead into my, my topic for you. The quote was from Don Draper from... Uh, Mad Men, one of my favorite. I binge watched it four or five a night until I could get through it. He said, if you don't like what's being said, then change the conversation. And I always want to add the word damn it to the end of that, Fabiana, because I can <laughs> see Don Draper as laid back as he was with a cigarette in one hand and a drink of something very strong in the other, uh, sitting with his probably his feet on the desk in his beautifully tailored suit, looking out on Madison Avenue saying, damn it, I could just see that. Maybe you can. I don't know. But l- let's talk about... Um, are boards really, let's say, let's put it this way, are the right people on the boards? I think this has been underlying part of what we've been talking about today. Are the right people on the boards to even grasp this? Say you, you get the CHRO in there and get they have a, a predictive analytics and they have the insight. They can see in the pipeline and they know about these experimental niches that Chris Johnson is talking about and, and all of the wonderful opportunities Patty Fletcher is talking about. Are the right people being put on corporate boards to have that right conversation? Fabiana, I'd love your insights. You know, again, I think it's changing, and it's different industry by industry, and it's difficult to generalize. But, you know, some of my experience being that um, as the world changes, they haven't changed and adapted as fast as I'd like to see. And I still hear some conversations about, um, can you fax it to me? And, you know, who else faxes anything anymore? Um, or can you please send it to my assistant? Forget, you know, downloading it yourself and looking for it. Um, you know, were issues like FCPA, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, were not discussed because the world was a lot smaller. Where you have to put a map out and show them where places are because, you know, they've been out of the doing it themselves for 20 years. And that's a long time. The world has evolved. What I've seen in my years as an executive has changed dramatically from 20 years to now. Um, And if you cannot adapt, you're not contributing. You're not effective. And so I think it's changing. It's just not changing fast enough. Um, You know, robotics, the future, it's all going to bring change and if you're still thinking about why you didn't read the information because nobody faxed it to you, <laughs> you you know you're not bringing much to the table damn it uh-huh. like you would say you're scaring uh, me <laughs> when you say please fax it to me you're scaring me actually scaring me <laughs> patty i know you i can hear patty not heavy breathing but mumbling in the background patty you're dying to chime in on this what do you think yeah, you know, I, it's it's really, really interesting that data points such as we were roommates together at Yale um, are, <laughs> are a way to bring board members in, right? And we, we know that it's, if, it's, if it's not 100%, then it's certainly 99% um, of these board seats are filled from referral, right? And it makes a lot of yes. sense. It absolutely does. Um, but should we be thinking differently about who should be on the board and what we need? And the answer is, of course we should, right? And there are organizations all about that. And 
And so when in the board, when you bring on a new board member, it should be because that board member represents the direction that you're going, not where you are today. And there should be expectations. When you're on a board, that is your, your number one role, showing up on time and being prepared and reading the materials. And um, it's very, very scary when you hear things like what Fabiano was talking about. Um, but I also think there there needs to be an absolute overhaul in terms of what does governance look like um, in this day and age? What are the expectations? Um, what should we expect from board members who, quite frankly, get to hide behind a curtain um, a lot, right? And Fabian, I know you do a lot of work around where that curtain's being lifted, particularly here in the, in the U.S. Um, around such topics. But I think not only does the CHRO role need to be disrupted, I would like to be controversial and say the boardroom should be disrupted, um, not yeah. only the CHRO to get in there, but because of the people component. Thank you, Patty. Well, Fabian, you want to comment back? Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, could, I fully, fully agree. But more importantly, I think that 20 years ago, the CHRO role was evolving there was no real path. There was no real decision on who was being hired. It was just the nice guy. You know, he's a nice guy. And, and I think that, you know, the impact of those decisions we're seeing today. And I think the same is happening with, you know, who are being selected to, um, to be on board. As a matter of fact, you know, a long time ago, somebody told me, if you want to be the CEO's wife, play tennis. If you want to be the CEO, play golf. And that applies to the board, too. And so, truly, you know, around, you know, um, the body system, this, you, you see a lot of the same people on the same boards. Yes, very interesting. I, I want to just add a sidebar here on, on the, the note that I have sat on two boards that are not corporations per se, not businesses. One is my co-op here. I was on the board for 19 years, and I also sit on the board of a local organization in which I am a participant. And I've noticed that sometimes it's, oh, somebody has to fill that seat. Who is willing to come and sit and warm a chair every month for X number of years and nobody else wants to run, so we'll just keep them. They're not contributors. They have backgrounds that are not appropriate. So that's just, we're talking volunteer boards. On the, on the, uh, on the organizational board, interestingly enough, each mayor of each local entity, I'll be very vague about that so nobody knows who I'm talking about, the mayors have portfolios and they appoint residents who are interested in public service or community service to be, okay, this is your portfolio, you'll sit on this board, this board, and this board, and these people just show up. They have no idea what the, com- what the organization's about. They have no idea the history, the background, the forward. They get a bare minimum introduction. So is this, let me just ask this, and we're actually in the predictions part of the show, but let me just quickly go around the table and ask, is this how many corporate boards are being run today where it's, oh yeah, especially if there's no compensation, yeah, so-and-so wants to have their name on the letterhead, we'll put them on the board and they really don't need to know much. Chris, what's your observation? And then I'll ask Fabian and Patty and then we'll go to predictions oh, fast. I think the situation's Chris? much better than you, you mm-hmm. just summarized Oh, that. thank I think God. Board, I think company boards uh, are really thinking quite carefully about the composition of the board, you know, bringing diverse experiences into the board. Um, and helping new board members acclimatize to the, the new role. Uh, there's a lot more still to be done. So I think if you look at most boards, in my view, for the challenges ahead, they're not diverse enough. And I mean diverse in thought. 
um, and they're not comfortable with challenge in the boardroom enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final point, uh, well, there's still an enormous amount to be done about bringing women into the boardroom. Um, yes. My view is that women bring a different dynamic to an all-male board, and that dynamic is nothing but good. There you go. Oh, yes, good proponent there. Fabiana, your thought on board. And we'll do about a 45-second uh, a formal prediction in a moment. But, Fabiana, what's your thought about are the right people being invited on boards? You know, it all depends. I've been on, um, on, on several, on, um, you know, non-for-profit, and the conversation is pretty much like you said many times. And I've been on the Arthrocare board, for example, and it's been a fantastic experience, very diverse Board. There were women, there were minorities, very engaged, you know, wonderful. You get to see the spectrum, you get to see it all. But generally speaking, yeah, we are advancing. It's a long way to go. I'd like to see more women. I'd like to see more minorities. I'd like to see more HR compliance, ethics professional, different compositions, more than just sales and strategy, uh, more than just commercial. Um, so it's happening because otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation. It yes. doesn't happen as fast as I'd like it to see. Maybe that's part of my <laughs> passionate personality, but it's happening and it's going in the right direction. It's just taking a while. Thank you very much. Patty, your thoughts on composition on boards, and then you'll each get about 40 seconds on the predictions. Go ahead, Patty. Yeah, so from a nonprofit board perspective, you must have a lot of time if it's really worth it for you to put your name on letterhead um, because it does take a lot of time and, and you're not getting compensated. And, and there are there's a lot of dysfunction regardless of profit or nonprofit. Um, but are we seeing a change? Yes, slowly, right? And that is... Board seats really don't open up, um, so that's a bit yeah. difficult. And independent board seats, sure, right? We saw a surge of those. But to, to Chris's point, I, I think that we're certainly looking at diversity from a skill, background, who do you know perspective, right? Because mm-hmm. typically it's all about, you know, the people you know. Um, but the other piece is who you are. And while it would be great, women in the boardroom are sorely lacking, but we need at least three women out of ten um, in order for that voice to be heard. So it's, it's not just getting a woman on the board. It's getting the, the right dynamics. And we do need, the problem is we can't call it unconscious anymore. So um, <laughs> there needs to be a very conscious effort. And what I've seen, just, you know, really important to say, there are plenty of qualified folks who don't look like the folks that are currently in the boardroom. What happens for a woman, as an example, is once she's identified as a board member, all of a sudden, all of the board opportunities come to her, and there's only so many boards you can sit on. So, we, you know, going back to the, we need to rethink board membership, how we get them, how we vet them, and and what those data points are from attracting them to securing them. And a board member, um, you know, certainly can engage themselves. This is not operational employment we're talking about. But Thank yeah, you. the trend is happening, but it's slow. Patty, turn that into a prediction statement, and then I'll get Chris and I'll get Fabiana because we're three minutes before the end yep. of the show. So, Patty, yep. make My me a prediction. prediction. Yeah, I'm going to say yep. 2025, I'm naming it, um, that we will see um, CHROs who have adopted digital disruption in the boardroom. We will see that. Okay, good news. Uh, Chris Johnson, prediction. I can give you, oh, 40 seconds. Go. My prediction is by 2025, um, half, ma- half our major corporations will not have a CHRO. They'll have a chief sustainability officer that's focused on the workforce, and they'll have a chief service officer who's providing employees consumer-grade service experience. 
And now mention a chief sustainability officer. What was the second one, Chris? Chief service officer. Somebody who is providing a consumer-grade service experience to the individual employee. And by what year? 2025. Okay, 2025. I just created a hashtag for it. Thank you, Fabiana Lacerca Allen. Oh, 60 se- less than 60 seconds, 40. Go ahead. Well, I'll go for 2018 because I don't want to wait till 2025. But I predict <laughs> that we're going to have a lot more people asking about board compositions, doing really uh, capability studies. Do we have the right composition? Do we have the right leaders in place? Do they have the right leadership traits? Okay, thank you very much. Patty, what a great conversation. This was even more exciting than the first one we did in March. So thank you to the three of you, Chris Johnson, Fabiana Lacerca, Alan, and Dr. Patty Fletcher. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll be back tomorrow afternoon with a live edition. Uh, Patty, what's our topic tomorrow, CHR? What, what are we doing on HR? Tomorrow, Chris will be joined with Bonnie Adario and John Matthews. Oh, that's right. Social responsibility and moral compasses. Very, very yeah, excited so we're gonna about that. We're going to be talking about organizations supporting research and cure for lung cancer, a major killer. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, right now. Talk about your board. Talk about people focus in your organization. Be responsible. Be predictive, and we'll love you forever. <laughs> Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Business Channel on Changing the Game with HR. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.